This morning, we're going to continue on with our series on joy, and we're going to actually conclude it this morning. And I'll, I'll just tell you, if you've not really been in on this series or have not paid attention to what's going on in this series, uh, you really need to get it. Because if you're having problems, and if you're complaining and you're whining and moaning and groaning and all this stuff, you, this series can help you out. It, it can change your life. If you, just, if you decide to do it, if you decide to, to make some decisions. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, this is, this is the end of this letter. In verse number 1, the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. See, the Apostle Paul had founded this church in Philippi. And he was just so excited for, you know, all the things that they've gone through. And he saw just, just how awesome God worked in their lives. But what you can see is you can see the compassion that he had for this church. You know, even through some hard times, the hard times that he was going through and the hard times that they were going through, he, he still kept this church in his mind, in his heart. He kept them before, the, before God and he was, all, and was encouraging them. He wanted to encouraging them, encourage them because he knew that financially they were going through some hard times. He knew that, that physically they were being judged and going through hard times by Judaizers and, and, and just other people and things like that because the church was being persecuted. You know, in America, the church is not being persecuted. You might be thinking that the church is persecuted, and it, it seems that way because we're here in America. But if you go to some of these other countries where the, you get thrown in prison, you might even die. I mean, that's being persecuted. These guys were being persecuted for being believers, and Paul was encouraging them. And what he did is, like in the middle of their storm, he was saying, you can have joy. In the middle of your storm, you can have joy. You know that? No matter what's going on in your life. And what joy is all about, it's all about having the strength of God to overcome the storms in our lives. It helps us to stay on course so we can, we can run the race and complete the race that God has put us in. In Philippians 4.4, 4, and this has our, been our foundation scripture, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Well, if you want to be a world changer, this is how you do it. You show joy no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstance is. And when the world sees you show joy and you have no reason to have joy, I'll be honest with you, they'll be mad at you for being happy. That's the truth. They will be upset at you not knowing, but then what will happen is you'll find some people that want to have what you have. And then you get to share with them. And you get to teach them. You get to show them. And you get to teach them how to have that joy. And when they learn how to have that joy, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And, you know, there's, there's some killers to joy. In Philippians 4, 6, here's a killer. Do not be anxious about anything. Being anxious will kill your joy. That will kill it. It will destroy it. It'll, it I mean, it will knock it out. Being anxious means to be pulled in different directions. It's being in between. So you're halfway between hope and fear. You're, you're, you're halfway between, you know, being able to pay your rent and, and being thrown out of your house. You're, you're halfway, you're just halfway there. That's being anxious. You know, ha halfway, when you look at this, 
you think it might happen, but then it might not. And you just kind of go back and forth, and it's just, you're anxious, you're worried, you're, you're, you're in fear. And there's three ways anxiety plays out. And the first way it plays out is this, is our worry. You know, people their entire lives are worrying about stuff, always, constantly. I talk to people all the time, oh, you know, this and that, and woe is me, and the sky is falling. And I mean, I can't tell you all the stuff that I've heard over the years. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, that I've heard even this morning. You know, I mean, I, I hear it on a daily basis how, how much people worry about stuff. I'll tell you, it's crazy. It's not just all over America, but it's all over the church. And do you want me to tell you why you're worried? You're not going to like this. You're worried because you don't trust God. You're wor- if you're worried that Trump got elect- elected, you don't trust God. If you're worried that you can't pay your bills, you don't trust God. If you worry that you, ha- you might have some illness and you could die, you don't trust God. See, we're not created to worry. Matter of fact, we're created to cast our cares upon him for he cares. And that's what we're created to do. We're not created to worry about a thing. And someone who doesn't trust God, you're not going to like this either, is a weak and miserable person. You're weak because the joy of the Lord is not your strength. And you're miserable because, man, just all the weight of it, it just makes you miserable. And this is, this is not a, a message to say, oh, you miserable person. If it, because I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. Um, so if, if it does apply to you, I'm, I'm just showing you how to get out of this. And when I say your neighbor, I'm not talking about here at this church. I'm talking about the other church. You know, I'd never talk about you like that. What up? So let me give you four things that people worry about as a whole in general. Number one is their health. That's the first thing most people worry about. The next thing is their family. That's another thing that people worry about. This is not in your notes. I'm just giving this to you. The next thing is their home. They're, they're, you know, are, are they going to be able to keep it? You know, the, the economy's gone bad. It's going into foreclosure. You know, there's a lot of things there. And then you know what number four was? And actually, it's, it's actually I think, higher than uh, two of these. Uh, I think this was number two, is terrorism. Terrorism. People are tripping because they're scared of terrorism. You know, I'm not scared of terrorism. If a terrorist comes in, if I get shot and killed, I don't die. I just go from one place to another. I finish my course. I've done my race. I'm fine. I'm cool with it. I've come to grips with being cool with God. And that's what we have to be as believers. We have to come to grips with being cool with God where we're at. Not worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. I looked at this report. It was written uh, June 20th, 2017. And it said there are over 500 diagnosed or recognized phobias in the world. I even looked this one up. They have a phobia of phobias. That is, that's crazy. I'm going to give you the top five phobias for millennials. This, this is going to trip you out. Sophophobia, the fear of learning new things. That means they don't want to read books that disagree with their opinion. 
They want to stand on their opinion. Heresy phobia. The fear of any challenges to one's ideology. I was going to say idolatry. So, you know, it, and they're kind of, they kind of, those two just kind of went in line with each other. Check this one out. This is number, let's see, that was five, four, this is three. Allodoxophobia, the fear of people's opinions. And this is considered the irrational and borderline insane fear of any opinions that differ from their own. I mean, you see that running rampant around the world right now, especially here in America. This next one, this is the uh, number two, dextrophobia. The fear of anything to the right of you. This term technically refers to the things that are placed to the right of your body, but it is also used metaphorically to describe an irrational fear and dread of anyone who is not dedicated to and to fanatical leftism. That's the number two phobia for millennials. Check out number one, though. What is it? No, it's nomophobia. The fear of losing cell phone coverage. That is the number one fear for millennials, and, this, it, it, and it says this. This is a fundamental and primal fear. Not knowing how many people liked your most recent Instagram selfie can induce a morbid dread that passes all understanding. Is that crazy? Now, I I picked on the millennials because I was just looking at phobias uh, early yesterday morning, and I was kind of looking them up, and, and then I was like, I just was like, what are the phobias that millennials look at the most? And when I read these, I was just laughing. Those, I had the top 11, but I just took the top five. I just, thought that, I just thought they were hilarious. But this is what we have to deal with, with millennials and phobias, fear. But, you know, in every generation, there are phobias. There is fear. In the Depression, there was fear. There were phobias. All kinds of things going on. But... Having a phobia means to worry, and the word worry means to strangle or to choke. So if you're worried, it strangles your hopes and your dreams. It kills your joy. The second way anxiety plays out is here, in our whys. Oh, why did this happen to me? Why did this person die? Why can't I do that? Why, 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 why? Well, yeah. Sam, why? That's a personal thing anyway. Some, some guys in Arkansas will get it. But the question is, that happens is when we ask why, we start getting frustrated because we really don't know why. So the natural response is we blame God. And the why question is why so many people get angry with God. Quit asking why. I mean, stop it. That's a bad question. So number three, our who. I'll tell you, this is a big one too, because people can create anxiety in your life. Anybody ever have a mother-in-law? Okay, a couple of you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, I have a great mother-in-law, but 
early on, she created some anxiety in my life. You know, I mean, she did. I mean, we, we loved each other all the time, but there was anxiety. I got nervous when she came around. I mean, she's like this big. I don't know. But she's pretty small. But now she's a dynamite. You think Leah's dynamite? That's TNT. Where do you think Leah got it from? I mean, she's tough. But, you know, things have changed. But who, you know, and that, what this means is this, is when you see, hear, talk about a certain person, it makes you anxious. Now, that uh, we, we can't be doing that. That's unhealthy. It's an unhealthy dread about somebody else. All three of these things are joy killers, the worry, the why, and the who. These things will kill your joy. It will destroy it. But God has a plan for your life to bring victory into every situation that you have. And in Luke chapter 12, in verse 20, starting in 22, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, uh, what, what you will wear. Now, a lot of kids have fear of a career path in high school. And they're in fear that, Oh my gosh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, I'm, and, and, I, and I'm freaking out. And let, me, let me tell you this. That's because knucklehead parents put so much pressure on the child for a career that they have not truly gotten them into a relationship with God where God can, rele- can lead them in what he's created and designed them to do. So instead of trusting in God, they've trusted in their own wisdom to put pressure on their children. Then I know none of you do that. Boy, it's really quiet in here. Some of you did it this morning. I know your teens talk to me. I'm just kidding. But what happens is we're more concerned about the outside instead of the inside. See, me being a parent, and I have three adults now, I've seen what I've done right and what I've done wrong. And so it would be easier for me to do it all over again But you can't. So I'm trying to help somebody out here. Take that pressure off. Stop putting that pressure on them. And start encouraging them to have a relationship with God. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. The reason why they don't have a relationship with God is because you don't. Because they follow our lead. Well, don't do as I do. Do as I say. I mean, that's the mentality parents have. I'm going to tell you what. If you're a smoker, they're going to be a smoker. If you're a drinker, they're going to be a drinker. Oh, I'm not going to, because I've, I've heard it. I'm not going to touch alcohol. I'm not going to, because my parents were drunks, and they were this, and they were that. Bing! Next thing you know, there it is. Is that 100% accurate? No, but it's high 90% accurate. So that don't do as I do, do as I say doesn't work. So what we have to do is we have to teach them to get closer to God. It goes on to say life is more uh, than food. And the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no uh, storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. So he takes care of them no matter what. And they do nothing. And how much more valuable uh, you are than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And Jesus is speaking to them and trying to get them to understand how valuable they are to God. And when you know your value in God, and you know that God has your back, then you know that, that you got it made. It's okay. 
He's going to work it out for you. It's going to be all right. You know, you might be going through some storms and some hard times right now, but knowing your value in him, knowing that he goes before you and no weapon formed against you shall prosper, knowing that you walk through, you don't camp in, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, so you're not walking in death, it's the shadow of it. But we get freaked out over the shadow. Oh my gosh, it's a shadow. Did you see that? Anyway, people asked me if I believed in ghosts, and I said no. Um, Ghostbusters, maybe. I mean, that was a pretty cool show, but I ain't afraid of no ghost. Anyways, chapter 4, I'm going to give you some keys to joy. It says, um, verse 10, it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. This is Paul speaking. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Right here, after he's talking to him about joy, after he's encouraging him, after all of a sudden, now he's talking to him about giving. He's talking to him about finances, giving finances, a financial offering. He said this, remember, take a look at it again. He said, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. So it almost sounds like they weren't concerned about him, but that's not what he was saying. He said, I know you have always been concerned for me. He said, but you didn't have the chance to help me. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned. So, Paul was saying, it wasn't that you weren't really concerned about me, it's just you didn't have the opportunity to give. And I'm not telling you this because I'm in need of anything, uh, but there's some opportunity, there's some things that I've learned, and the word learned means I have decided. So he said, I have decided to be content wherever the, uh, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have decided the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Paul was saying he made a choice. Paul was saying that we have to make a choice. And this is the choice, and this is what he made. This is the decision. He said, make the joy decision every day. The reality of life is you're going to have trouble. But what God is saying in this is you are so valuable to me. Don't worry about what's going on. Don't pay attention to the circumstances. You stay focused, stay, keep the course, and move on. And Paul chose to have joy, and he was in, man, he was chained. He was in prison. And there's a lifestyle when you take a look at how Paul, Paul lived. I mean, he was pretty much the perfect model. He said, follow me as, I, as I'm following Christ. But when I look at Paul, this is the first thing that I see, is this. He said, pray about everything. That's the first thing that I see. Pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Everybody say in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, I wonder, from looking at this scripture, if Bob Marley was inspired by the Apostle Paul. Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. You know, I mean, don't worry. Come on, guys. I mean, because it sounds scriptural. It sounds biblical. 
And it truly is biblical because he said, don't be anxious about anything at all. Don't worry about anything. He said, but pray about everything. So when anxiety pops its head up, start praying. Go to the Lord. He said, pray, petition, and thanksgiving. And what does that mean? It means go to God, tell him what you want, and thank him for his provision. So when you get anxious, go to God. Tell him what you want. Don't tell him what the problem is. He, He knows what the problem is. Tell him, tell him the solution you want according to the word that you've been reading and trusting his word about and thank him for it. Why thank him for it? The reason why you thank him for it is because when you thank him for it, you believe it already happened. So you believe you received when you prayed. That's Mark 11, uh, 23 and 24, you know, where you speak to the mountain or when you pray. And when you pray and you speak and you ask for these things and you believe you receive them when you pray and it's past tense received. So it means that you already believe that you have it. So when you give thanksgiving, you believe that you have it. Let's say that I had a key and I told you that this key was to a safety deposit box that had a million dollars in it. And if I handed it to you, if you believed me, you would say thank you, you would woo, you know, whatever. You might spin around like a top. I don't know. But you believed it, and you would go out and you would open it up and get the million dollars. Well, that's what God is talking about. When we give thanksgiving, we're putting faith to our prayer. We're putting faith to our petition. We're believing those things that we can't see as though we can and then it goes on, it's when you pray in faith, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So basically what he said is when you turn it over to God, your anxiety goes away. Thank you for that one, woo! Because that's the truth. But the problem is, the reason why your anxiety doesn't go away, and I'm, and I'm telling you this just because I love you, It's not because you're not asking. It's not because you're not going to him. It's because you don't have faith he's going to do it. Why? Because of all the experiences that you have in life and all the stuff that you've seen in other people's lives. We have to dare to believe the word beyond experience because the word can change your experience. Your experience can't change the word. Just write that down, tattoo it on your forehead. Anyways, number two. Think about the right things. He goes on to say in verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And that's a lot right there. goes on to say, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And, you know, I don't know how stupid we really are or how much we just want to rebel. But the things that we watch affect us, even if you think it doesn't. The things that we listen to affect us, even if you think it doesn't. The people that we hang around with and speak into our lives affect us because we might not start off in the conversation, but we will end up there. 
And what is it? It's all negative. It's, it's people talking negative. It's negative news. It's negative TV programs. It's negativity on social media. Negativity is all around us. It's the battlefield of the mind. And it's in a constant war with, with the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us. I mean, the flesh and the Spirit is constantly going back and forth. But we have to decide to think on good things. So in other words, what I'm saying is this. Um, and this is to Christians. This isn't to, to the people out in the world because they just, or in the world, they're going to be negative. To believers. Um, you know when you come to church, hey, sister, hey, brother, how are you doing? Good to see you, know, and uh, liar. Because you know when you go home, you talk about them. That's a negative talk. It's gossip. It's got to stop. Because if you truly love, and, and what, Pastor, what are you saying this for? I'm telling you why you don't have joy in your life. Negativity will rob you of your joy. And so what we need to do is we need to think about these things. It says, it goes on to say, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul said, look at my life. I am the example. I'm the one you need to look at. Put my life into practice, into your life, and when you do, the peace of God will dominate your life. But if you don't put it into practice, it's not going to dominate your life. You're going to be in worry. You're going to be in anxiety. You're going to have all these things going on. And, and it really stinks. Bad. It's horrible. It's bad for you. And you know, when you talk negative about people and you think you have the right, really they have control over your heart. They have control over your mind. They are renting space for free in your mind. I just let it go. I kind of put on some Bob Marley and I'd be happy. Number three, trust God in all things. Philippians 4, 12, and 13, it says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So Paul's saying, listen here, check it out. Uh, I've been here in the good times and the bad times. I've had all this stuff going on. He said, I have learned the secret of being content in, in any and living in plenty or in want. He said, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's happening, whether you're hungry, whether you're thirsty, no matter what's happening in your life, I, I, I've had all these things going on in mine. I've had plenty. I've had, I've had none. Right now I'm in prison. I'm chained to someone right now in prison in Rome. I don't know if I'm going to die or not. See, this is how he's writing this letter. You have to understand the circumstance he's in writing this letter. For someone to say to have joy in that, who are we to say that we can't? Because everybody says, well, you know, when we talk about Jesus, well, that's Jesus. Well, this isn't. This is Paul. But let me tell you, Paul's no different than Jesus. Because Jesus came here as a man, and he poured out all divinity and everything that he had. And he, he did all the miracle signs and wonders as a man on the earth, trusting in the Father, showing us how we're supposed to do it. He had no advantage, because if he did, then what he did at Calvary was not paid in full. Because he had an advantage. Jesus had no advantage whatsoever. That's, what's, that's what makes the 
the Passover, the resurrection, Easter Sunday, so special and so amazing, is because when you understand the price that he paid. But he said the key to being content and to the key to having joy and to peace in the middle of the storm, he said, I, this is it. He goes on to say, I can do everything through him, some translations say through Christ Jesus, who gives me strength. So having trust in God, having trust in the Father, having trust in the Holy Spirit, having trust in the price that Jesus paid is the key to peace and joy in your life. Amen? 